Hey, welcome back to the Dose Vision Experience Podcast. It's your boy Frank Nate. I'm back for another week of those needed hot takes. Whether you agree or disagree with them, I'm putting them out there, so let's discuss. If you didn't get a chance to check out my previous episode, you can catch it on any of your listening services such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and comment while you're there. As always, thank you for tuning in. Now let's get it. Hey, thanks for sticking around. I, like, I really appreciate you guys. Um, let's get straight to it. Uh, first, I want to thank all the, the frontline essential workers. We really appreciate you guys. Without you guys, none of this would be possible. Um, you guys are putting your life on the lines for this current situation, this pandemic that's actually plaguing the world. Without you guys, we wouldn't be able to get our essential things that we need. So we really appreciate you. We really appreciate you guys. Um, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. If nobody's told you, I know the situation is kind of crazy because you guys are not actually getting any extra pay or anything like that. But in the long run, God is going to bless you. We appreciate you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. With this current situation that the pandemic is going on, we know that we currently don't have a cure. But I have been seeing some some of the current things that are talking about that there has been some testing going on. They got like three vaccines that can possibly that they're testing on. Two of them has been positive. One has been not so positive. Uh, they're going to continue to test people. They're testing like 100 people or so with that. Um, that's going to take time. So we can't really trust that. That won't probably be out until the late fall, winter, sometime maybe December, if it shows some positive results. Then when it comes down to showing some positive results, you have to turn around and try to mass produce it, which is going to take another four to six months, possibly 12 months. So we're looking at another year before we can actually have, say, positive. Hey, we have a cure. This could possibly go into production. Uh, we're going to be pushing out to the masses. But you already know um, the money's not in the, the money's not in the cure. The money's in the medicine. So they're going to always try to push more medicine out to you, try to get medicine to you. They want to see, they want you to deal with the process. Uh, but this this particular vaccine is going to help shorten the recovery time. It's not going to actually resolve it. So we don't actually know what's going to happen with it yet. So we can't trust it. I would not, not just yet. Nothing's to be trusted because they've done this in the past. They put out some, some news, say, oh, this could possibly work. But then they get down to a couple of weeks later, say, oh, we don't want to use this because this caused this type of issue. This could talk, cause this type, that type of issue. So none of that is to be trusted as of now so the best thing to do is to just boost your immune system the things you need to do is just um, eat healthy exercise as much as you can eat the fruits and vegetable things that can kind of help boost your immune system to help fight off the germ in case you do come in contact with it you know they say in quarantine for 14 days but that quarantine is not necessarily working for people who are already predisposed to have type of issues or asthma things like that because it attacks your respiratory system um, i don't know all the details i'm not a nurse i'm not a doctor i can't tell you exactly what you need to be doing but um, i would just suggest that you continue to you know exercise your body you know wash your hands stay away from people wear your mask out in the public and just be cautious and, and use common sense when you're out around people because once they give us a little bit of a couple of inches um, a mile is going to be taken and we already we already been seeing that here in the state of california they kind of tried to ease a little bit of the uh the stay at home shelter because we've been at home shelter for now 40 plus days people are losing losing it now uh, they hit the walls people had hit the beaches and they went crazy in the beaches last weekend it was a massive amount of people at the beaches and so they had to readjust the plans it's like hey we can't just have people out on the beaches uh, just because it's a sunny day it doesn't mean that the virus is not still going on you may not have the virus but there may be some people that you may come in contact with that doesn't know they have the virus and they could be passing on to you and you could be passing it along to someone else so they have to do the safety of the, the masses we're looking at the small picture but you know there, there are people out there that have to look at the masses and try to you know protect people from themselves 
I love sports, so I like to uh, use this analogy. It's almost like a player twisting an ankle in football or basketball. You want to get back out there because you have things you want to prove. You want to kind of make sure that your 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 position is solidified and you don't have to worry about if you get hurt in the future. But right now, you're like, hey, I'm ready to play. I can do it. I, I, I've been recovering. I've done this for a couple of weeks. And the coach is like, nah, let's just wait a minute. Let's wait another week or so. Let's just give your body a little bit more time to heal. And you're like, no, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And you're, trying, you're constantly fighting the coach. You're constantly fighting the coach. And you're telling the coach, I can go. I've been, I've been doing this. I've been doing it. And the coach is going to, you know, his job is on the line. He wants to get wins because he wants you back on the floor. He wants you back out on the field. So he agrees to let you go back out on the field. You're out there for a couple of plays. You get tackled. You do something. You twist an anchor. Now you're back out for another three to four weeks. And he's like, man, what was I thinking? I should have just kept him on the sideline. So sometimes you have to protect people from themselves. I understand that we want to go out and we want to work and provide for our families. But right now, I understand that things are tough. It's going to get tougher. But we have to be patient. We can't rush things. The faster you rush the process, the longer it's going to take to recover. So if we go out there and we basically rush the process, get back out there, get back working, get back to normal, and the virus hasn't really decreased and we don't have a, a solution for it, then things gonna, numbers are gonna, gonna just spike right back up and we're gonna be right back into the same situation trying to shut things back down. We don't wanna have to go through another shutdown, which is gonna take another couple of weeks for to get people back into the houses, trying to get the numbers back down again. So it just basically, just be patient. You know, we, we wanna go out there and we wanna pretend like, hey man, it's pretty outside. I can go a beer around this person. I can go do this. I can go do that. But the virus doesn't care. You know, it does not care. White, black, blue, green, fat, skinny. It, does not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't care. It just attaches a host and it does what it does. Some people are able to recover from it because they may be healthy and some people may not be able to recover from it. You know, the elderly have been, you know, having some issues trying to recover from it. Some have, some haven't. If you guys haven't been paying attention, the New York scene is out of control because they have a overpopulated hospital. The hospital cannot keep up with the demand that's what's going on. So the way to ease that is to keep people away from one another. I understand that you want to be with your friends. You kind of want to go out and you're tired of being in the house. You're going stir crazy. You want a haircut. You want to go to the bar. You want to drink. Hey, time is time is that time is going to come. You know, we we took it for granted going outside before. It's like, oh, man, I'm not going out there, man. I don't feel like it. I'm not. I, you turn you turn it down all the different events. Now you're ready to kind of just get back out there. But without something in place. It could possibly just put us right back in the same situation we were in, you know, just a few weeks ago. You know, 40 days in, man, China, these other places, they have been 60 plus days in lockdown. We're only in 40 days. So we've opened up some parts of the country, like, you know, Texas, Atlanta, some of those other some of those other states have basically been opening up and kind of like letting you get back in some some normalcy. I understand that we want to get out there and we want to be able to, you know, get get with our friends and we want to go hoop. We want to play some sports. We want to get some exercise in. want to hit the beach and the beach right now is it was insane. We saw we saw the clip from the Huntington Huntington Beach in California and the people were just massive massive amount of people were at the beach and we're like what are, what are we doing we cannot be on the beach and we only 35 40 plus days into the lockdown i want people to get back out to work the essential workers people who have to you know provide for their families i want to see you back out there working and doing what you have to do to try to protect your family and make sure you're being able to provide and put food on the table but if you are coming in contact with people who are unhealthy 
or who has the virus and don't know they have the virus, then it could probably possibly cause you more harm than you out there actually trying to provide for your family. So there's a double edged sword to this. So we can we can go out there and we can pretend like nothing's going on and then we can try to reshut everything back down and act like it never happened. But we all we all know deep down that this is a serious, serious disease. It might not seem like it because we can't put a face on it, but it is a very serious disease. Um, I want to give a shout out to somebody that when they do good, a lot of things go under the radar. We sometimes when athletes do great things, we don't particularly promote that. We don't we don't highlight those things. We only highlight the negative things that they do, the bad things that they do, the trouble that they get in. But I want to highlight Beast Mode, Marshawn Lynch. Um, this guy has been, you know, an epitome of a great athlete beyond the football field. I want to shout him out because he delivered 110 gallons of hand sanitizer to the UCSF Medical Center. That was such a noble thing for him to do. He's always been on, he's always been the person who's been for the community, doing the right by the community, always stepping up, and I really appreciate him. He also passed out 7,500 masks with his logo on it from his store to the Oakland Food Bank and Alameda Point Collaborative, which is a supportive housing community that uses the resource to help families and adults break the cycle of homelessness and poverty. So this guy has been, you know, doing what he does for a timeless amount of time, going back from when he first started making money in the NFL. He's, he's been so smart with his money. He's been so giving with his money. So things like this have inspired, should inspire others to do what they can and kind of help out. You know, this is a pandemic and we need, and everybody needs a hand and where they can get some support from. And he's been the guy who's been supporting and he's gonna continue to do the support. So me personally, I wanna say thank you to Beast Mode uh, because my significant other, my wife, she works at the UCSF hospital and she sees these things up front. She lets me know that, hey, things could possibly be worse, but we've been taking precautions to try to make sure that we um, are safe in the hospital. We're, we're cutting back on the amount of visits that we have. We're cutting back on the amount of people sitting in the lobbies, um, stretching out our appointments, making sure we're trying to stay safe distancing from each other. So she's been on the front line since day one of this. So I really see firsthand how this, uh, epi this pandemic has been affecting the community. We've been uh, kind of smarter about our situation, about um, locking down things a little bit earlier. We kind of keeping our shelter in place intact for a little bit longer than other states because we've this, the, the state of California have went through a, a, a epidemic before with the uh, with the flu back in like 19 in the early 1900s. They went through the same um, situation, not probably what we're going through exactly right now, but they went through a situation where they kind of let up a little bit early and then it re attack people and they had to pr pretty much shut everything back down again so you know we've been kind of a little bit more precautions than other parts of the country because we were one of the first places to kind of put the shelter in place and we were kind of hit kind of hard a little bit early on than other places so they are being a little bit more cautious when it comes to easing up the restrictions and cut, shutting down the, the beaches and shutting down the parks and the, the trails and the picnics and playgrounds and you know making sure that if you're doing some housing you're not you're doing virtual showings you, it just kind of make you readjust your life for right now just to kind of protect us from ourselves because we are the people who are transferring it from one another and if you don't know you have it you don't know that you're transferring it it can continue to go on so the shelter's place is kind of going to go on through may we could pretty much cancel summer i don't know if nobody's really told you yet but you can cancel your summer plans all that traveling you kind of had lined up you might have go ahead and cancel those dates because you're not you're not going anywhere you the country the world 
everybody's being affected by this. So you think if you're going to just jump on a plane, you're going to go to the Bahamas, you're going to go to France and all these other places, or you're going to go to Mexico. No, it's not going to happen. It, the, the summer is canceled um, because they keep giving it to us in doses. You know, they say, oh, we're going to gonna go through the end of April. Uh, we're going to go through the 1st of May. Now we're going to the middle of May. Now it's to the end of May. They're just going to get closer to the end of May and they're going to say, oh, we're going to go through the end of June. Um, it's just going to continue to happen. So, you know, if nobody's told you yet, summer is canceled. It's over. Just shut it down. Readjust your plans. Cancel your flights. Put those. Put that money back. You know, into your household. Save it for a later date. Get that charge that you're gonna get for the plane, and just put it on the credit for some time at the end of the year or possibly next year. Because truly, do you want to be next to somebody that's on the plane? Because I've been seeing that they're not doing any social distance on, on the flights. They're back to packing planes. The prices have gone back up on the flights and they're sitting you right next to somebody that you don't know, you haven't seen, could be coughing, could have, could possibly have the, have, have the virus. They're not telling anyone because they're trying to get back to where they're from or they're trying to travel to see a family member or whatever the case it may be, whatever the travel reason is, but they're putting you right next to somebody. So they're just stuffing the planes just like before. There's no, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna uh, skip the middle seat. We're gonna put a person on one side of the plane, another person on another side of the plane, and we're gonna stretch it out and we're going to decrease the amount of tickets that we sell for this particular flight like like no they're selling full flights so i just want you guys to be aware of that the airlines they have been bailed out they're trying to get back to normal they're trying to get their money back they're trying to get their stocks back up and they're just back to packing planes they're probably going to be overbooking planes because they know people have been been stuck in certain situations and they're ready to get back to where they're from or they're ready to do some traveling and they're just going to book the flights as normal uh, my question to you is, are you ready to get back on a flight and be next to someone for a four-hour flight, five-hour flight, get off a plane, get back onto another plane if you have to switch a plane, and they have another another set of people that you've never met before, and you're sitting right next to somebody again, somebody's next to you to the left, somebody's next to you to the right, somebody's in front of you, somebody's behind you, the flight attendant, airplane pilot, somebody who probably was just on the plane before you, are they wiping down the seats? Are they wiping down the handles? Are they wiping down, you know, the headboards? Or what are they doing? Are they doing an extra set of cleaning for you? You know, you can only do so much, but if you are in contact with viruses that live on different surfaces for a certain amount of time, that could be deadly for you if you're touching it. You can possibly wear your gloves, you can wear your mask, but things happen because when you're wearing gloves, you're just cross-contaminating if you don't really understand or if you have your hands and you're touching something on the, on the on a, on a shelf or you're touching an armrest or a window or you're giving your 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 passport or your ID to someone at the airport and you're getting off the conveyor belt or different things you're wearing these gloves and then you go touch your phone then you put your phone back in your pocket you put you basically cross-contaminated from your glove to your phone and then you grab your phone and then somebody call you you grab it you pick it up and you put it on your face so now you've put the germs that were on your gloves onto your phone onto your face so it's just transferring so you have to be mindful of those things when you're wearing gloves too. You're not 100% safe if you're just wearing gloves and you're just going to cross contaminate and you're touching everything and you're touching your keys, you're touching your ID, you're touching your phone, um, you're touching money, different things like that carry diseases. You, you can't see it with the naked eye, but it's, it's on those surfaces. So if you're not being actually uh, taking an extra step and cleaning the planes and cleaning different things, you can always be exposed to those things because they do live on surfaces for a certain amount of time. So um, just be mindful of those different things when you're actually flying and being out in the public. Uh, my question right now is, what if they're going to start testing at the gates for your blood? Say, hey, we're going to test you right now 
and we need you to give us a blood sample and we'll give you the test back in 10 minutes. Would you be willing to take a test? I'm a little wishy-washy on this. I say yes and I say no. I say yes because I want to know who else in the plane could possibly have it. And I say no because I don't want my DNA on file. And when you say DNA on file, I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm not trying to build any type of device to hurt people or anything like that. But I don't want my DNA on file. But if you got your phone, you got Google Home, Alexa, they're already listening to you. They have all your information for you. If you're putting your face, face ID print into your phone, they can collect that data. So it's always collecting data somehow. So like I said, I'm a little wishy-washy on there. I don't know if I want to have someone take my take my DNA, but then I want to know who else on the plane could possibly be affected before we take off in the flight. Because if people are just rushing to the planes and everybody had everybody's just getting on the planes and nobody's being tested for fevers, they're not being blood tested, you know, I would like to know when I get ready to take a flight that I'm actually as safe as possible. I know there's going to be a there's going to be a risk for at any point when I decide to take a flight somewhere. It's going to be a risk. I would like to know the risk that I'm taking being crammed on a plane with another 65 to 100 people at a time. These are things that are probably going to be coming out as you know, doing some testing in other countries, seeing how it works, if people are, how people adopt to them. We're all we're, most of the time we're not first to do these type of things. Other countries doing first, and they see how the adoption rate is, and then they try to implement it in small small regions of the country and seeing how that goes. And then if it goes well, they pretty much try to spread it out to other regions of the country, and it becomes more of a larger topic. But I'm not trying to be the test subject in the beginning for it because we don't know where that data is being collected and where that data is being where that data is being shipped to because they're always collecting data and they're selling your data uh, all around the world no matter what you do your data is being collected yes yes i don't have a problem with my data being collected but i would like to know where my data is being used are they retargeting my data and they're, they're retargeting retargeting me with my data or they're targeting other people by you know gathering data and trying to come up with a quantitative reason why they're why they're going to do this or why they're going to do that there has to be reasoning behind these testing you just can't walk up to a counter and say hey we're going to test your blood and then you can get on the plane because they're using fear to drive uh, data collection. Fear shouldn't be a reason to um, drive collecting people's data and us willingly giving up our data to people. We have to, our data is precious to us because we are who we are, but the more they have data on us, the more they know about us, the more they can sell to us, the more they can pinpoint things about us that we don't want to you know, necessarily tell somebody or let someone know how we feel about certain things. But if they have all this different data on you, they can use that um, self-consciously against you through social media, TV ads, or you know, social media ads. These things are being used every day to retarget you, to sell to you. The economy is all about money and how can they generate money. Collecting data is a new currency now. Who has all the data is the person who holds the power. If you didn't know, they're trying to drag the, the founder of Amazon, Jeff Bezos, or subpoena him to come into court and testify on his data collection privacy standards, um, collecting data from third party users and vendors and trying to get him to, and they're using that data to retarget their products that they're creating themselves and putting their label on and selling to customers. Because if you're a seller on Amazon 
you don't have access to the customers who purchase your things. So therefore, it all goes through Amazon and they are collecting the data. They have the emails. They have the phone numbers. They have all these different data points to distinguish one person from the next and how to market to those people. And the people who actually set in the, the different type of items on Amazon, you don't have access to that particular customer and their data and things like that to help retarget, resell things to them. But it all goes through Amazon because they make it convenient for the user and they make it convenient for the vendor, but they collect all the data, so they're the in-between. So what better way to target a customer is to create your own product, put it on their platform, sell it to them because they already know that you bought it, they're just gonna resell it back to you again with their label on it. So they cuss out the, they cuss out the vendor profit. So the vendor do, does all the work, they go out, they do all the research study, they figure out the products they're gonna sell to users, they put it on the Amazon platform, a user purchases it, the data goes to Amazon, Amazon does this analysis and does all these big data queries and they figure out, oh, this product works great. This one sells, this one's hot. So what we're gonna do is, we're going to create our own product, put our own label on it, and then we're gonna sell it and put it at the top of our, um, our queue. So when someone searches for this, our product comes up first. And we're gonna sell our products to them. So that basically cuts out the product, that cuts out the vendor and the amount of money that they can possibly make. So they are taking their data and they're using their data against the vendors, but making more profit for them. So nobody's going to make money at that level and not do something um, behind closed doors that is seen or deemed as greedy. Once you start making these millions, you're gonna wanna make more millions. Millions turns into billions and the billions gonna turn to a trillion. You don't get to a trillion dollars without doing something uh, mischievous or devious or uh, things that are gonna be looked down upon. I know that this data is gonna be continue to be collected and they're gonna continue to run with this. They're not the only ones running with this. Target, Walmart, Costco, and some I'm pretty sure some of these other grocery stores are probably, and they're peeping out that say, hey, why can I not just put my own particular item in my grocery store to increase my revenue, increase my profits, and help my shareholders make more money? So it's all about the shareholders. The shareholders are saying, hey, we wanna see a turn, we wanna see a, a return on our money that we're investing into you. We wanna see what you're gonna do different um, that's gonna separate, separate yourself from the marketplace. How can, they be, how can they better do that without using the technology and retargeting people? They're gonna take continue to take that take those steps and they're gonna to continue to put their products on the shelves. If you haven't been paying attention, Walmart's been doing this for a long period of time. They have the, the particular item that you're used to seeing and right next to it, they're putting their item there. So I'm pretty sure if they're putting that item right next to the item that you're used to seeing and the promotion that's been going on for the promoted item, they don't have to do any promotion. They just put the item right next to the next to the to the identified item that you've used to seeing and put it there for a cheaper price. And because they know that their clientele are looking for something more on an economical standard, they're gonna basically go in and say, hey, this is cheaper, it's the same brand, it's the same thing, I'm gonna give it a try. You try it at a lower price, you like it, therefore you're gonna continue to buy it. The more you buy it, the less the, the competitors gonna see their product being purchased and now they can go back to their competitors and they can use that as leverage. Say, hey, we've put this on the shelves, it's not moving. We need to get it purchased at a different price at a lower price. Either you give us a lower price or we're gonna just stop purchasing from you and bulk orders altogether. And what are, what are the companies gonna say? They're gonna say, ah oh, man, I guess they're right. We do need to decrease our price on the charge. What they don't know is that, that Walmart and these other companies are putting their products in the store on the shelves right next to yours and you are being um, X'd out of the product, X'd out of the, the, the game because they're doing it for cheaper. 
if they're doing it for cheaper and they're increasing revenue, increasing profits, the shareholders are happy, they're going to continue to do it. So this is a dirty game that they're all playing. Um, this is a dirty, dirty world when you start making those millions and billions and trillions of dollars for companies. You know, the shareholders are excited. The shareholders are happy because every quarter they have to get on these calls. They have to talk about their numbers. If they're going up, if they're trending up, if they're trending down. Everybody wants to trend up so they make their stock prices go up so they can sell to the people who are actually purchasing the stock. The stock market thing, it drives a lot of the decision making from these corporations. They're not the only ones doing it as well. If you think about it, everybody's playing that dirty game. If you look at it right now, um, Uber Eats, Grubhub, all these delivery services, they're actually taking advantage of the, the pandemic. Yes, we'll deliver you food. We're going to make it um, convenient for you, but we're going to charge you at this particular price. So you, we are the middleman. The middleman is making all the money. You go to the Uber Eats website, Grub, Grubhub websites, and you purchase directly through them they go and purchase it from the restaurant for $4 or $5 and they charge you $12, $13, $15 to deliver it. They pay their delivery drivers a small amount of money and they keep the middle chunk. So they're making a much more profit than probably the people who actually sell, who, who the restaurants who's actually selling the food. So it's a dirty game out there. You know, everybody's trying to find ways to make more money, increase their revenue, increase their profit shares. Because as Uber Eats is doing it, Grubhub is doing it. You know, I'm pretty sure Postmates and all these other companies are doing it as well. They're cutting, they're cutting out the restaurants, so they're buying it for cheap, selling it for high. You know, pay the pay the drivers a small percentage. They take a nice chunk of it. The restaurants only get the small portion of their of their money. So if you're continuing to if you're ordering from through their sites, then they can charge what they want to charge because they know that out of the fear, you don't want to come outside. And we're going to we're going to deliver this food directly to your to your home at a nice, warm temperature. All the things that you pretty much love, they're going to continue to do it, whereas they are making a bulk load of the money because you're doing it directly through the site. So they're setting the prices that they want to set the prices at. So it's all a dirty game out there. And I'll go ahead and wrap this section up and I'll come back with another segment. We're going to talk about, of course, that last dance and those the last the last two episodes that they dropped and what's going to be coming up next. Uh, stick around. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. And in this segment, we're going to talk about the last dance that ESPN dropped episodes three and four. These were some of the great episodes about Dennis, Dennis Rodman and how he came to be and how those crazy times that we were watching in real time and now playing back watching them are even more infamous than we thought they were when they were happening. Dennis Rodman was a bad man. He was a guy who was you know, sure of himself. He was who he was. He did what he wanted to do, when he wanted to do it, how he wanted to do it. He didn't care what anybody said. This is the guy who basically helped propel the propel the, the Bulls over the top. He knew his role. He knew what he was supposed to do on the team. He knew he wasn't a scorer. He knew he wasn't going to be the person to go, and, go out there and get you 25, 30 points a game. He knew that was Jordan's job. His job was to get rebounds and play defense. This guy was so tech savvy as far as when it comes to knowing how to rebound. The guy would have his friends come into the gym and just shoot a bunch of balls and he would just calculate how the ball was going to come off the rim. He knew if Jordan shot the ball, it was going to spin this way. He knew if Scott shot the ball, it was going to do this. He knew if this guy shot the ball, it was going to go long on this side. So he positioned himself to be in the perfect spot so when the ball come off the rim, he knew exactly where he needed to be to get the rebound. This guy was a rebounding machine. This guy would take on some of the biggest guys in the NBA and he would out-rebound these guys every single game. Guy would go up and get you 15, 20, 25 boards with zero points. He knew his role on the team. 
this is the ultimate team player because he knows what he's supposed to do in the team. He knows he's not going to get out of his character. He knows Jordan's job is to go out there and score the points, be the face of the team. He was he was the guy who was going to come in, do the dirty work, play the defense, get under people's skin, get the rebounds, and be the glue. He was the guy that kind of helped Jordan when Scotty was out for that time period when he basically didn't want to get the surgery. Scotty was playing. They were they was having a hard, rough go of it at the beginning of the season. Jordan understood that in order for them to continue to be successful, he had to get Dennis on his side. So Jordan had to go to Dennis and get Dennis to step up. Dennis realized that one game he played so poorly that he knew that he had to go and apologize to Jordan. So Jordan said that Dennis Robert, being the person that he did, came to his came to the hotel room where he never did. He never hung out with Jordan. Came to the hotel room, asked for a cigar, and basically just sat down and shot the shit with Jordan. So Jordan knew that that was his way of apologizing without having to apologize. And after that, Dennis Robin turned it on. Dennis Rodman was the guy after Jordan. Jordan knew that he could eventually he can count on Dennis Rodman. Rodman stepped up. He did what he was supposed to do. He was the guy he can go to. He can count on in different situations while Scotty was out. But the issue came is when Scotty returned to the Bulls and he figured out that he would now, Dennis would go back to his third row spot. And that didn't quite sit well with, with, with Dennis Rodman. Dennis was like, man, I need a mental break. I need to get away from here. I need a vacation. He went to Scott, went to Phil. Phil's like, hey, look, I need a vacation. He was like, Scotty, what do you mean? Dennis is like, what do you mean? We're in the middle of the season. What are you talking about? Like, I need a vacation. So Phil was so so afraid of it, he went to go get Jordan and let Jordan discuss. Like, hey, man, Dennis Robinson said he needs a vacation. And Jordan's like, if anybody needs a vacation, I need a vacation. And Jordan just knew that if he let, he was like, well, what about 48 hours? Dennis was like, hey, 48 hours, I'll take whatever I can get. 48 hours, he's like, you know if you let Scott, you know if you let Dennis go on this 48 hours, he's not coming back. If you know you let Dennis, you know if you let Dennis go out of here, he goes to Vegas, he goes wherever he's gonna go, he's not gonna come back. Boom, Dennis Robin gets what he wants, goes out to Vegas. This guy's having a time in his life. Who does this in the middle of the, in the basketball season? He takes the weekend, goes to Vegas with Madonna, doing everything that he wants to do. He's probably doing these wild parties, doing cocaine, doing whatever he wants to do. Dennis was a wild boy back then. Dennis had all the women, all the predominant, all the predominant women who were at the height of their careers, they were a part of Dennis. Dennis was the guy. Nobody could take that away from Dennis. Dennis was who he was, and he had some of the hottest women at the peak of their careers. Dennis was in Las Vegas, having a time of his life in the middle of a, a, middle of a championship run. Dennis comes back, doesn't want to come to practice. What happens? Jordan has goes to the hotel, goes to go find Dennis, knocks on his door. Jordan said, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what I saw in the room, but I saw in the room. And I'm pretty sure what he saw in the room, he would probably never tell because there were probably some wild stuff going on. Who knows what Dennis was doing? Dennis was a wild boy. He did what he wanted to do, however he wanted to do it, when he wanted to do it. And he became who he was by being him, being himself, truly himself. The guy married himself. Who does that? Nobody in, nobody in history has ever married themselves. When we were seeing this going on in real time, we was like, what is Dennis going on? But this what made Dennis Dennis. And Dennis was able to, to, to rise above whatever was going on outside the court. And once he stepped on the court, he was an animal. He was a beast. He was the guy that you know you can count on to get you 15, 20 boards a game. He was the guy that you know he was going to play, put it all on the line, play defense. 
He's going to go all after it no matter what once the ball is tipped off. And you need those type of people on your team. In order to go to the next level, you got to have somebody to know their role. And they do, they dominate their role. They know their role. They're not going to step outside their role. They're not going to step on your toes. They're going to give you your space to do your things as long as you give them space to be themselves and do what they need to do. You know, Dennis was the guy. I don't understand how a lot of other teams don't look at those those bulls and see, say, hey, you got to find different people to do the different type of things in order for you to propel to the next level in your franchise. You can't continue to draft the same people to do the same job that you already have on the team. You just can't replace an old guy with a new guy if the old guy is doing what you need him to do, but the new guy is doing exactly the same thing, but he's not doing it better. And that's how you continue to have a franchise and just continue to be at the bottom of the league year in and year out. You have to find people who are great at what they do, don't mind playing their role, do it well, and continue to do it well year in and year out. Some people are just going to be the third wheel on the team, and they have to be okay with that. Some people's egos is not going to allow them to do that. Dennis has a Dennis, Dennis was the person to have it. He was egoless. He didn't he didn't have to he didn't care about scoring. Nowadays, you have all these AAU guys, they're coming up, they want to score the basketball. You know, you got the, the, the center want to score the ball, you got the four, the power four, they want to be scored. They want to put their hands on the ball, they want to dribble the ball over the floor, they want to shoot the shots, they want to be on the highlight reel, they want to make the three pointers, they want to make the step back, they want to make the step back three. So, how can you compete with that? In this day and age, where whereas you had those times back then when you know, hey, Jordan's going to be the guy, he's going to be the one to score, he's going to be the one to take the ball, pretty much bring the ball up the floor, uh, well, not bring the ball up the floor, he's going to be the guy who you give the ball to if you want to get a bucket. Dennis knows that's not, that wasn't his role, and he understood that. So the NBA, you have to be able to find those glue type of guys who are willing to do the dirty work and don't get a lot of the credit. With Dennis being himself, he understood that, and he was he was okay with that. Being the third wheel is not tough. Ask Bosh. He knows when LeBron, D Wade, and them and they came together, he thought he was going to continue to be that guy that he was when he was in Toronto. But when he got to the Bulls, I mean, when he got to um, the Miami Heat, he became the third wheel. And sometimes the third wheel gets a lot of the lot of the a lot of the blame and none of the credit. You know, he was a part of that team as well. But when it comes down to being mentioned, they only really mention LeBron. And they mention uh, D Wade because those are the, those guys was pretty much like the go-to guys, one of the faces of the league. They were the great at what they did, so they get a lot of the credit. But whereas when Bosch was playing, he was a third guy, so he gets a lot of the blame when things doesn't go right, and he doesn't get a lot of the credit when things were going great and they were winning. Yes, he was a part of the team. He was there. He was doing what he needed to do. But at times, they, he was the scapegoat when things weren't going well. So Scotty understood that. But he was being himself. The guy would basically drink beers in the walkway after the game. He knew that he didn't care about what was going on. The guy was in impeccable shape. The guy goes to a bend, a bender to Las Vegas in the middle of the season, comes back, and they go do these Indian run drills, and he is outrunning everybody. The guy was an ultimate player during those times. Yes, he had his issues off the court, but whenever he was on the court, it didn't matter. He was always going to give you all-out effort no matter what. And that's what you need for those type of games. You know, Jordan, they were going through those different times when they were trying to play early on. He was going through those trial and tribulations when he was trying to play, you know, by himself. He was he was going to the game plan was always structured for him to get the ball, to dominate the ball, to score. But when Phil came along, Phil was the guy who basically from Tex Winter, he basically learned the triangle offense. 
implemented the triangle offense where he would take a lot of the low off of Jordan, where Jordan wasn't accustomed to that because previous on in the career, all the all the, the game plan was geared to give Jordan the ball, let him create, let him get the basket. But the triangle, the triangle was implemented by Phil, where it was more or less like, hey, look, we need to get more spacing, we need the ball movement. And it took a little while for Jordan and the guys to understand and regroup and get that understanding of how the game is going to be played now under Phil. Jordan was just used to getting the ball and being able to dominate, scoring 30, 32, 35 points, 40 points, whatever the case may be, night in and night out. But now that you have more of the guys involved, this is to create a championship level team. You have to be able to rely on other guys throughout the season and in the playoffs when things are being, when you're being double teamed and triple teamed. Um, because when it came down to those Detroit Pistons, they would just brutally beat Jordan. They created the Jordan rules. They were making sure he doesn't take off. If he gets in flight, then he's going to score. So what we have to do, we have to beat him up before he gets on, before he gets in the air. John Sally would say, hey, if he takes off, we have no chance. But if we catch him on the ground, we can make sure he doesn't take off, we can control him. So those guys were brutally beating him. You know, you know, you had Beer Lambeer, John Sally, Isaiah Thomas, and those guys were basically trying to create, they created these, what it calls the Jordan rules to dominate Jordan to make sure that he doesn't explode and give him those those big gains and those 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 numbers so they control jordan by doing those different things and doing that they pretty much probably rubbed the league the wrong way the bad boys piston were the epitome of don't mess with us we will brutally beat you up we are here we're going to win and this is our way of life and this is how we play and Jordan was trying his best year in and year out to try to get through those guys he couldn't because they were brutally beating him up they made him get in the weight room so we really should actually and a part of it, we should be thanking the, the Detroit Pistons for making Jordan get in that weight room and becoming the Jordan that we know today. You know, he was always a great scorer. He was going to be a great athlete. But during those times, it was all about the big man. They didn't believe a two-guard could lead a team and become the face of the NBA. During those times, uh, the Detroit Pistons were brutally beating up Jordan, even though he was doing great throughout the leagues night in and out. But when it came to those playoff series, they knew how to neutralize him. They would bang him up beat him up so what he did he went lift the weights in the offseason he got better he got heavier he got stronger so he can be able to dish out that punishment instead of taking a lot of the punishment so we should be thanking the Detroit Pistons even though they were the bad boys they created a monster when they did that to Jordan and during the time when they were beating him up I'm pretty sure they were rubbing him they were rubbed, being rubbed the wrong way uh, Jordan didn't quite like quite like Isaiah um, and, and of course at the end of that end of that series when Jordan finally prevailed and they finally beat the Pistons those guys ducked out of them early they're shaking hands that that's not a big issue but the issue is along the way I've, you've been beating my head in every year in year out in the playoffs you know we've been shaking hands it's just sportsmanship you know, don't, people don't understand that if you never play sports, you don't understand the, the, the sportsmanship part of it. If you beat me, I respect you at the end of the game. If you rough me up in the end of the game, you tell me, hey, man, I appreciate it, man. It was a great game. Nothing. It was nothing malice about it. We were just trying to win the game. Then I take that and we do that. I played I played sports before when I was younger. I was a little I was the smallest guy on the field sometimes and I was I always get the punishment because I was the smallest because you know what those type of people when you're the smallest sometimes they fear you because they see the talent that you have so therefore they try to dish out enough punishment to try to make you quit but when the game's over they'll come to you and say hey man I really respect your game and continue to play hard you're great you're a great competitor and as they continue as you continue to grow they'll respect you more so at, at the end of each game, they would rough me up, they would beat me up, and then they would come back and they would shake my hand and respect me, and I respected them for that. And so I gained their respect. 
But when you're beating up somebody and then you just basically duck out on them and don't tell them, hey, congratulations or thank you or we appreciate you, then that kind of rubs, it, it can easily rub someone the wrong way. And of course they did that to Jordan. And when it came down to the dream team time, Isaiah was left off the was left off the dream team. We all know that Isaiah should have been on that dream team. Um, Jordan, it, it's come out that Jordan was the driving force, possibly behind uh, Isaiah not being on dream team because he basically didn't like Isaiah for the things that he did, probably going through those playoff series. But then also Magic says that there are other determining factors why Isaiah wasn't on the team. Nobody really liked Isaiah, so they didn't want to have to be around Isaiah during those times because they know how he tends to rub people the wrong way. He should have been on that team. Yes, I acknowledge he should definitely be on that team. But when you are a person who are rubbing people the wrong way and nobody wants to be around you, it's easily kind of say no to those different type of things. So you have to be mindful of those things when you're winning because on the way up, you can treat people one way. But as you come down, if you treat those people the wrong way, people are not going to tend to want to be around you and want to kind of do business with you and different things like that. So you have to be mindful on your way up how you're treating people because if you're treating people bad and you're disrespecting people and you're doing things that are, are, are deceitful and you're doing things that are are, are possibly the damaging of your image and your reputation towards them on the way up, people are going to see you when you're on your way down and they're just going to look at you and they're going to look at you sideways and you're not going to get that respect level that you deserve. So that's possibly what happened to Isaiah. You know, he's now saying that they, um, he's basically trying to say, hey, we apologize. We shouldn't have done this. We shouldn't have done that. But hey, Isaiah, you can't say they didn't do it to us and we clearly see that it happened. And you're shaking hands with other players, but you're not shaking hands with Jordan. And they're saying, oh, now he's putting it on. Oh, the Celtics didn't shake hands with us. Nobody cares about that. You are responsible for your own actions. I'm pretty sure that wasn't the only thing, the reason why Jordan didn't probably want Isaiah on the team. He probably just didn't like him. And that's okay for not to like somebody. He probably just didn't like Isaiah. And that probably was one of the reasons why Isaiah wasn't on that dream team. You know, he was great. He was a great player during that time. He should have been on the team, but because of him not being on the team, it didn't stop them from winning. So that just comes back. To, that just comes back down to you know how the way how you treat people on the way you're going up. And and he probably just doing doing those rivalries. He was probably saying crazy things to Jordan. He was probably beating Jordan. And Jordan just probably wasn't like I'm not feeling this guy. I don't like this guy. And, you know, he's being disrespectful to me. You know, I I basically you know went out gave him my all. They beat me. I went and I shook their hands, even though in defeat you don't want to do it. But sometimes you just have to do it because it's just a part of the game. It's a part of sportsmanship. That's why we teach kids, hey, it's okay to lose. You can't always be a winner as you're as a kid because if you put if you always win it, they don't know how to lose. Yes, losing fuels you to become a better become a better athlete. When you lose as a kid, you don't know how to handle it. But when you lose, you then learn that the things that you can do to be better to win. So you can't always, as a kid, just say, oh, we're gonna win, 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 and then they don't understand that when they get older, when you lose, they don't, don't know how to handle it. So what happened was, you, you have to be able to teach kids, you can't just give trophies out to everybody. Everybody doesn't deserve a trophy. Everybody's not that great. They're gonna have some, you're gonna be, as a kid, you're gonna be good, you're gonna get better and you're gonna get better, but you can't just hand out all participation trophies to everybody. It doesn't it doesn't make you strive for anything. When I was a kid, we didn't get you know we didn't get participation trophies. You got there was one big trophy. It was the MP, MVP, and then there was one more trophy, maybe like a runner up for something, or you got another trophy for something. But there was no all right. You get a trophy. You get a trophy. You get a trophy. You saw who got the MVP, and you knew next year if you wanted to be that player, you had to be the great player to get the MVP. 
I want MVPs in my lifetime as a kid. You know, I've been the best player on my team and I've been not been the best player on my team. So I understand how, how it goes. As you grow, the skill level grows. And when I was a kid, I was playing with guys who were much older than me. So therefore it pushed, I wasn't the best player on the team. So it pushed me to be better. So when I, when I actually played against somebody who was my age and my age rank, I could see that I was better than other people because I've been playing at a higher level and getting beat up. So when I'm eight and nine, I'm playing with 12 and 13 year olds. They're punishing me, but this and I'm losing and, and it teaches me how to grow as an athlete, how to get better. So when I get much older and I'm playing against guys my age, I can see the difference in the level of playing with guys who've been older than me versus playing with guys who are on my who are at my age, like my age rank. So you have to be able to teach people and teach kids that it's not all about winning when you're so much when you're so young. It's about growing and developing and getting better. And so when you do get to the next level and you get older, you understand that what it takes to become great. And Jordan had this will to win. He he understood. He got cut from high school, so he understood that I must get better. And he continued to drive. This, um, had this, this mentality to just drive and always wanted to win because he understood what, what losing was about. He understood that you can possibly lose get cut because you want the you want the best athlete that you could possibly be so you have to work when nobody's looking that's what we have to teach kids when nobody's when you nobody's watching you you have to be working putting the effort in putting the time in it doesn't come when you play play the game it comes before the game it's how much effort you put in before practice how much effort you put in during practice and then that which shows how you perform when the lights come on and this 97 Bulls team they were the epitome of greatness but we didn't get to see it fall off. That probably was a good thing. We didn't get a chance to see it fall off because we got to see it at its apex and then it was over. So that could have possibly been a good thing and a bad thing and appealing because we never saw them actually lose once they started to get that the high level. Once they get that first ring, they went to three-peat. Jordan retires. Jordan comes back, another three-peat. Uh, we don't get to see that, down, uh, that downward turn because management just destroyed the team they couldn't they could make the team collapse they want to pay players players moved on different things happen so i'll just go ahead and wrap that up we're talking about that that last dance i'm excited about the next couple of episodes that's going to come on espn is doing doing a good job they're doing a great job of actually filming this and editing it and putting it out to the people i didn't want to watch it any other place and watch episodes i want to watch it together with everybody so i can get that same feeling so i can watch it in real time um, I'll go ahead and wrap this section up and I'll come back with one of my probably my last uh, segment We're going to talk about a different things as uh, some of the, the, the quarantine TV binging things and a couple of other things that I have um, I really appreciate you guys stick around Welcome back. I mean, in this last segment, I'll talk about a couple of things maybe about some of this IG battles that's been going on uh, some quarantine binge thing uh, content that you can possibly watch while you're sitting at home uh, first off i'd like to say that dj dj paul and the crazy bone battle uh, if you're from the south then this will really mean a lot to you it meant a lot to me i was i was really expecting there's going to be a massive amount of traffic that's going to be driven to this battle and of course you get on the battle you're ready for it, and dj paul gives us the the not so great news he gave us the great news that the battle is going to happen but not so great news that it wasn't going to happen happen the other day um which was on a Thursday or something like that, whatever the day was. But that was going to be a great battle for me because me being from the South, we grew up off 3-6 Mafia, Crazy Bone. 3-6 Mafia was a lot of them, um, the music influence for the South. They were the guys who were pushing a lot of music 
in the clubs on the, they probably weren't getting a lot of the radio play nationwide but down south they get a lot of the radio play they were getting in the clubs they were in your radios they were in your boom boxes they was in your cars they was on your cd players they were a lot of the music driven down south you know you had the you had three six mafia you had outcast you had a ball mjg you had ugk you had uh, cash money and you had no limit you had no limit those guys were pushing a lot of music out in those time and the 36 Mafia, they basically did a lot of influencing of our generation at that time growing up. So I was really excited about this. Uh, DJ Paul told us it wasn't going to happen. So they're basically going to take the, the content that they were going to do, the battle that they were going to do on IG Live, and they're going to move it over to Verse because they were basically contacted by uh, Timberland and Swiss Beats to kind of move it over there into a bigger platform. And that's what I think these battles were, they were headed to. They have a proven, they have a proven model that it can possibly work on a bigger platform because IG tends to encap the two persons live with the music going back and forth and they can kind of easily get in there and disrupt it. We need to be able to get that platform was much bigger and IG can basically take a step back, which uh, DJ Paul talked about. He said that there, were, there weren't going to be any caps because they've already, I guess, Timbaland and Sweet Beast has talked to uh, Instagram head over there, whomever controls those type of features to not do any disruptions during these battles. And that's what we hate to see because we saw that in the Teddy Riley and the uh, Babyface rap, the Babyface battle. There were some interruptions when the music was just getting great. We were getting 500,000 people on, on the Instagram live and all of a sudden, people, the, the guys who were actually playing the music they couldn't see each other. They killed the, the they they killed the two person live, and it was just a disruption. You know, this is a time where everybody wants to be at home. We're here. We want to see this. We want to see this content. Give it to us. This is our music. We grew up on this music. It brings back a lot of memories when we hear this music. So therefore, don't you know, kill the vibe for us. And that's what Instagram was doing. It's killing the vibe. It's killing the energy. These guys have put in great work, and now they've created something that we are want to be a part of. We want to see it. You know, give it to us. Give us what we want. Don't give us interruptions. Versus is going to be the place that a lot of people are going to start maybe moving moving the battles over to. Uh, I'm excited to see the Erica Badu and Jill Scott. These are going to be another upcoming battle maybe next week. They, they said they put, put the paperwork in that it's going to be going on next week. Erica Badu and Jill Scott. That's going to be an exciting one. So there are going to be some, some good things that come out of this quarantine. Uh, I want to shout out uh, Tory Lanez because he basically turned what turned into what what was seen like the quarantine radio was something fun, entertaining from him. He turned into a business venture. He's basically been signed on. I don't know if it's like Apple or Spotify, but one of the one of the big major streaming services is going to basically buy. They're basically going to put on his. Um, quarantine radio at this point so quarantine radio was something that he was doing probably out of his home with his friends bringing people on they were playing music you know having different people to you know sign in they were doing a little twerk and they were doing different things and it was um, pretty cool to see somebody take advantage of the quarantine and make some content for himself that is now is going to be flipped and turned into something that, that's much better he went and got the bag with it and I'm not mad at it you take some content that you create and you sell it to somebody else that's the name of the game you take something you create it you build it you promote it and then all of a sudden somebody sees it and they want to be a part of it and they buy the content from you that's what we're into you create it you the creators are always going to be important to the culture because the, the creators are the ones who pushing the culture forward we're doing things or the creators are doing things that the people who are in those corporate office can't do so they have to sit back and wait till the creators create but you just can't get in the way of the creators you have to let the creators create you can't give the creators the space to try to do something and then you cap them and that's what 
what happens sometimes with those IG battles, they get capped. And so you can't let the creators cook to do the things they want to do if you're putting caps on it. So let the creators create. Let them keep doing what they're doing. Let them let them be great. Don't stop them. Don't stop them from doing what they're doing because creators are always thinking of great new great ideas. I know myself as a creator, uh, graphic designer, a photographer. I'm always thinking of new ideas. I'm always trying to you know push my my uh, creativity to the next level. That's why I created this. I've I've been wanting to do a podcast for a long period of time, but I never really had the time between you know being a husband, having kids, going to work doing different things so i i just couldn't i didn't have i couldn't fit in the time to do it but now being at home we have opportunity to do these type of things now i want to be able to push my creativity and get my voice out there to do more things you know as a creator you're always looking for different avenues and different ideas to kind of continue to push your ideas forward and this has been something a platform that i want to use to help push my voice forward and get myself out of my comfort zone we have to continue to, in order to grow you have to get out your comfort zone you can't continue to be in the same comfort zone year in and year out you can't say new year new me but you're not doing anything new to push yourself outside of your comfort zone you only learn when you push yourself outside of the comfort zone and definitely something like this has pushed me out my comfort zone I'm, I'm going to continue to get better but for now I'm learning and as I continue to learn I'm going to get better so I, I encourage you to do something different Push yourself. If you're a creative, push yourself to do something different. If it's start that podcast, if it's you know to write that paper, or write that book, or create that app, um, get online, create some content. You know, just do something to push yourself to be better. You know, we have to create avenues for ourselves. You know, you have to take something that you create, perfect it, get the people to buy into it, and once the people buy into it, then you have the opportunity to leverage it for a monetary value down the road. You know, that's how all big that's how all businesses start. It starts from an idea. They have an idea, they put it down, they put the work behind it, they create it, they give it to the people, they work on it, they perfect it, and then they make the monetary value on the back end. You can't try to make the monetary value up front because you have no leverage and you have no no the, the market hasn't given you anything. You have to test the market and let the market determine what's good and what's not good. Right now, I could be talking to two people. I don't care because I want to continue to get better at this. I want to continue to get to continue to push myself, and I want to I want to grow. I want to grow with different people. I want to bring people on, and I want to talk about their stories. I want to hear their stories. There's a lot of interesting people that I follow or I see that I had I think have interesting story, and I want other people to see or hear those interesting stories. You know, at some point, I, I'm going to get there. And I have to continue to do this and get more comfortable with it and learn more because there are things that I don't know. There are tons of things that I will continue to not know if I don't try to learn them. You have to push yourself and to get better. So with that being said, I want to just say, hey, you know, congratulate him on his on his success and continue to do different things and also congratulate anybody else that's doing something positive at this time with this with this um, sit down. This could be a blessing in disguise for a lot of people. You know, we can use this time to do something positive for ourselves that could possibly, you know, in the future, we can look back on and say, man, I remember when I was at home for this quarantine and I created this product or I created this. And this is basically feeding my family now. So take advantage of this time and do different things. I would like to say some of the, the, the good things about this is I've been able to um, catch up on some of the things that I've been wanting to do in the past. I'm not able to get caught up on those things that I wrote down in my binders or my things I wrote down on my phone. 
that I wasn't able to get to then I'm able to now you know go back to those voice memos or those things that I typed in my phone or wrote down I'm able to go back to those and follow up on them and that's the thing you have to follow through you know having an idea is one thing but you have to be able to follow through on them so I would like to give you guys some my tip on a quarantine TV uh, like I always do each week and this week on uh, the quarantine TV would be the show called billions I really I really enjoy this show it's going to be one of those shows that I think is uh, it's a low-key a lot of people probably not on it yet but I think it's one of those shows when it airs and then it basically goes off it's probably going to catch steam and people are going to be on it a great show that comes on Showtime that people are that like like myself who like to see the stock market see money and see how people on those different levels play in those different fields so these guys who are billions this guy who's a billion he's playing at the billion dollar level and he's running a, a hedge fund and he's going through those those treacherous roles and doing those doing, doing those things that billionaires do that we don't get to see but make you money when you're doing those stocks that you're happy about when you see the stocks go up but you don't know what's going on behind the scenes and with this show it kind of show you a lot of the things that go on behind the scenes when it comes to you know manipulating stocks going up and going down and being ahead of the curve on certain things on how they're making money and and, and just those different attitudes um, I like the show I like great shows with great content that are really written very well and shot very well and I think this is one of those shows if you haven't had a chance to see it um, I would say go back and watch some of the previous seasons and then catch up because the premiere is actually going to be coming on this week um, I'm excited about this show and I really hope you guys um, enjoy it if you do watch it send me a comment DM me let me know you can find me on dovision.com. Um, you can see some of my new artwork. Um, you can see some of my new t-shirts. I got some presets on there if you're a photographer and I shoot a lot of low light. If you're a photographer and you shoot low light and you want to kind of help um, boost some of your photos, you can use some of my presets. You know, tag me on them, let me know. They're free downloads. You can also catch me on my email at dovisionsf at gmail.com you can um, join my patreon and get some of my episodes early before they actually release to the public i can i post them there you can go there you have a patreon.com uh, forward slash dovision you can also um, catch me um, on some of my I'm on twitter you can facebook um, all those different places at dovision sf that's my handle i really appreciate you guys tuning in until next time holla